This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. So the pandemic has impacted us all in many, many ways, and some populations are suffering from unique consequences, particularly working mothers and women of color. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, women accounted for 55% of the 20.5 million workers who became unemployed in April. And there, while there are a number of reasons for this and why it occurred, Some of them include that women comprise a majority of primary caregivers and workers in the service industry, which are two areas that have been most impacted by COVID. Also, working mothers are enduring additional pressure during stay-at-home orders where they're spending up to 15 more hours weekly on domestic labor than men. And reports show that women are twice as likely as men to be responsible for homeschooling. So a lot of additional challenges, and I'm really excited to be sharing this information with you today, and more importantly, addressing some of the solutions that we can take to move forward during this very difficult time and to help us tackle that with some concrete tips and resources. We're very fortunate today to welcome Laura Zaro, the Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics here at the University of Pennsylvania and the fabulous host of the Gracie Award-winning radio show, Women at Work on Sirius XM Channel 132, Thursdays at 9 a.m. Welcome back to the show, Laura. We're so excited to have you on Dr. Dawn on Careers. It is a delight to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me, Dawn. Yeah, so this is a tough topic. What are some of the unique challenges women are facing as they manage through this pandemic, Laura? So we need to look at the challenges they're facing in the degree of intensity. Um, We have to be mindful of the people that have lost their incomes. Um, People who no longer have a steady income stream, they're on really restricted budgets, they may be um, really getting down to the wire, and the need for them to find work again and to find resources in their communities to do things as basic as find food cannot be underestimated. We also have a secondary tier of crisis in front of us, which is that for those people who are fortunate enough to still be working, the work world has changed and their home lives have changed all at once in ways that can make both work and home feel almost untenable. So I know that um, you know there's a lot of federal policy and practice that is is actually playing a role in creating some of these problems. But you know I know there's also some things happening that are trying to address this. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what some of those policies and practices are, Laura. 
So a really important one is the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights. Um, this is something that iGen Poo has pioneered, and it's really about creating protections for domestic workers, those essential workers on the front lines, giving care to um, people who are sick at home, older members of our families who are at home, and who are confronted every day with health risks. The, the national, the Domestic Worker Bill of Rights is being adopted in different locations and where it's been adopted, it ensures these workers minimal protections, but essential ones. So days off, sick leave, um, protection from health and safety challenges. And so at its very core, it's giving these essential workers these basic tools to be able to stay home if they're sick, stay home if their kids are sick, have their jobs protected. And if in the workplace they're exposed either to COVID or sexual harassment or other workplace dangers, they're protected by virtue of this Bill of Rights. So that's really great news. And I'm wondering, how are people learning about this? Because I imagine lack of resources and access to, you know, even basic things like internet and it, it's preventing people from learning about these. <laughs> are, are, are companies required to share this information? Are they doing that? Well, it, this is a case where those of us who have the privilege of working, having a voice, being able to advocate, um, can help the system of employers and governments adopt these practices so that the people who need them can benefit from. The, the link that most people don't realize is that when we help protect those domestic workers, it's not just that it's the right thing to do. They are essential to get us back to work. So if somebody is not working because they're taking care of their dad who's homesick, those domestic workers are the people who allow that person to go back to work while making sure their dad has adequate health care. So it's something that we need to pay attention to on behalf of other people. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to their website. Um, also, it, proud to say that the city of Philadelphia has adopted it. So it's going to be put into place for the workers here in Philadelphia. Yeah, so, so there are some good things happening. Um, I think we have a long runway to go, but it's good to know that they're, they're taking some steps. And, you know, Laura, what about women of color? Um, I know that, that indeed they're having a much harder time in this from all the statistics and information we're reading on social media and the news. Mm -hmm. what, what unique challenges are they facing? So remember that even before COVID and before an overdue awakening about civil rights in the country, they were underrepresented. They were, code, they were in this unfortunate position of working in a world where um, they're not understood, often not respected, and having to comport themselves in ways that um, allow them to fit in and be accepted that's enormously emotionally stressful, in addition to all of the systemic biases and the systemic racism that exists out there. So they come to work already carrying an enormous burden. Then, now with COVID and having to work online, it gets magnified in multiple ways. One is that for hourly workers, essential workers, frontline workers, they're at risk, they're not protected, um, and they don't have the resources to back themselves up at home. For knowledge workers, part of what they're finding is that now the world of work is online, 
which means that we see each other, but we see each other during the workday in our home environments. So carefully constructed boundaries of the professional and the personal are being eroded. And it means that our entire life context is on display for our colleagues, which means that we have no ways to parse how do we share our identities with others in ways that make us feel safe, that make us comfortable. And so women of color and particularly black women are facing this every day. And then the other thing that we can't um, I don't think we can comprehend yet we can try and be empathetic, sympathetic to and supportive as allies is that with the enormous national conversation that's going on that's long overdue and the media exposure to the violence against black people in this country. It's a wound that's opened for people who are seeing their communities suffer every single day, who are worried about their own sons, their own fathers, their own brothers. It's bringing up generations of pain. So at the same time that we are experiencing massive grief in the country because of COVID and anxiety because of the economy, an important part of our population is also experiencing a pain that's deeply entrenched with their identity and their experience in this country. And we have to bring a certain empathy every day to everybody around us, and especially our Black colleagues to understand they're having an experience we can't understand, but that we need to make room for. Yeah, I think that's so important, Laura, to bring up. And that's why I really wanted to address uh, this on Dr. Dawn on Careers, because I think one of the things that has come out of this pandemic, while everybody has been impacted in 2020 in some way, I think there are definitely things that each one of us experiences uniquely and we don't always understand what other people are going through and and how we can support them so i think it's important to talk about it so that mm -hmm. we raise awareness and i think with that raised awareness hopefully the next step will be action so that we can all move this nation back <laughs> to a better place because we're all whether we're being directly impacted or not whether our jobs or our careers are being directly impacted or not, this is going to, how we handle this is going to have an impact on all of our futures and our careers in this country. So it's an mm -hmm. important discussion to be having. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and we are so excited to be talking with Laura Zaro today. Laura is the executive director of Wharton People Analytics at the University of Pennsylvania and host of the fabulous show Women at Work, which is also on Sirius XM 132, Thursdays at 9 a.m. She is here sharing what we can do to both support ourselves and support our colleagues and friends during the pandemic, particularly working moms and others who are in a unique situation that and uniquely impacted by the pandemic and its effects. So we so we're talking about some of the doom and gloom, Laura. We talked about some <laughs> of the statistics. So maybe we can shift um and shift out of that uh and, and talk about you know what what can people do and mm -hmm. you know particularly I'm thinking about the the long-term impact because it's not just now I think what what we do now will have a long-term impact but it's not just let's get through this and things will be fine a, a lot of what we just talked about in the last 10-15 minutes will have lasting negative impacts if we don't address it now yep 
And so, so I think that's important for us to recognize. And I'm wondering if, if you're seeing any, any positive policies or, or things implemented that might be longer lasting, that might be a positive, a silver lining that comes out of this. Well, I think where the positive is, is how we see um, workplaces adapting and changes in workplace culture. Um, one of the key things, so let's start with what's a core value here. We want to keep as many women in the workplace as possible. If we think about it on a national economic level, it makes an enormous difference in the gross domestic product our entire economy thrives when women thrive in the workplace. And so what we wanna do is, and it's also that it's not just the dollars that they generate, it's also the talent that they bring to work every day. So we need them, we need them to solve problems and create solutions and bring their unique perspectives into the way that we work. So where we see signs of light are in the many, many employers who are figuring out ways to give employees, and particular working moms, a certain amount of control over their days. And it's there's two sides to the coin. So one is giving them flexibility, the trust and the room and the digital tools to be able to work when they can work effectively, to not expect everybody to be clocking in with a nine to five day. The more that we can create that flexibility, the easier it is for women and all parents to juggle what goes on at home with what goes on in the virtual office. And then the companion piece of that is also respecting real boundaries that um, we all need time to work time to play. Some of us are integrators, some of us are separators, but either way, nobody should be working around the clock. And employers are increasingly learning to respect that women in particular, when they are taking care of children at home, they're taking care of other family members, because we know that women are carrying more of the at-home duties. Um, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, that letting the employee set the boundaries of this is when I'm on the clock, this is when I'm off the clock, but letting those hours vary during the day is going to maximize that employee's chances of not only remaining optimally productive, but also support their mental well-being. Yeah, and I want to tag on to that, Laura, because, because you're right. Almost half of fathers with children under age 12 have said in a recent survey they're spending more time with their their uh, more time on childcare, but only three percent of wives <laughs> agreed with that. So so clearly there's there's some disconnect there. But I'm right. wondering, um, you know, what can what can women who need more support, whether it's it's from a spouse or or maybe they they have a boss in their workplace who doesn't set boundaries because they're not they don't have young children at home, and so they're not really being sympathetic to others' personal situations. What, what, can, what can women do? How do they start that conversation with, with individuals that they need more support from? Um, so let's start with how you do it with your employer and your boss and also your teammates. It's not that different than asking for a raise. The point isn't, I deserve this. The point is to go to them and explain how by investing in you, you're going to help reach your collective goals. And to make room to talk about what they're concerned about and how you can work together to work 
around it. Um, one of the things that has changed from even a year ago when we tried to advocate for flex policies and that kind of um, room to navigate your own work life is that the whole world is experiencing this right now. So it's not a foreign concept to a lot of employers. So they are likely to be a little more tuned into the challenge at hand. But remember that you're going in to solve a problem as a member of that team and to be open to their concerns and to construct solutions together. And then, you know, one of the hard places to navigate this stuff is at home. Um, this is not going to be the first time in history that women have been asking their partners to carry a bigger load at home. It is um, important, though, that you're regularly talking. Um, I know Adam Grant gave the advice in an article he wrote with his wife a couple of years ago that one of the things that you put on your schedule is meeting time with your spouse. Don't just you know, walk into your next Zoom meeting and say, by the way, would you take out the garbage? By the way, would you, you know, go get the kids to the doctor? Instead, take a time every week where you sit down and look together at what are the things that have to get done around the house and in the care and feeding of your family, kids, pets, yard, whatever is going on. And use that time together to work as partners and to step back and look at the balance on both of you. Yeah, no, that and those are some some tough conversations. I think it, it's so well said when you said, "Oh, talk talk about it like you're asking for a raise or a promotion." All of a sudden, everybody gets really scared. Well, that's that's not easy to do, but but you explained it beautifully, Laura, in the sense that that it's it's about the end result. It's always about the end result and how can we make this better for everybody. And I think that is such a successful strategy to use in in this situation and a lot of situations. We're so excited to have. Laura Zaro here on Dr. Dawn on Careers today. Laura is the Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics and the host of the Gracie Award-winning radio show Women at Work, also on SiriusXM 132. If you're just tuning in, we are here with new content all month long, Thursdays at noon Eastern on Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM 132. So, I want to talk a little bit about teachers because about 75% mm -hmm. of, of teachers in the public schools, K to 12, are female, Laura. So, so <laughs> yeah. hearing all of these battles around should kids go back? They're not going to go back. They're going to go back on a part-time schedule. So, so now you have parents who are trying to manage their work schedules with school schedules that seem to keep changing. And, and you also have teachers who are very stressed out because they might be finding themselves in, in a, let's face it, a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, we need to look at these two things. They're obviously connected, but separate. Um, we've got to remember that our teachers have become like soldiers in the battlefield. They're essential. They're really vulnerable because they're exposed to everybody. And if they're not at work, we can't go to work because we're so dependent on them for engaging our kids during the day in a meaningful and healthy way. So part of what we need to do is remain focused on where we need to solve problems and be supportive. So as a community at large within our school districts, whatever we can do to help make sure that those teachers are safe, 
feel safe and are supported. Um, it means that they also need solutions for caring for their own children who often live or work in different school districts. So working together, it's why you see in the newspaper the tensions between unions and school districts and parents because um, these are hard problems to solve. One of the best things that we can do right at home is work with our kids to understand this world that they're going to school in, to have helped them become comfortable wearing masks, washing their hands, using hand sanitizer, and also make sure that we're tuning into school and treating them not as the opposition, but as a partner in navigating an incredibly complex time. And I think this is where we all have to be a little bit more understanding, Laura, because I just I just had a, a colleague reach out to me to change a time for a meeting next week because the school just changed the schedule. All of a sudden, right. they, they, you know, changed it. And now, um, you know, she has to rearrange her schedule. And, you know, certainly I think um, a lot of people are understanding to this, but but I think a lot of people maybe who are not in that situation and are not seeing it day to day have different perspectives about it. So I'm wondering how can coworkers or managers or you know people's clients do a better job of sympathizing with the situation of working parents or maybe mm -hmm. other populations who are being impacted differently? It's a really great question. I think we have to start with a kind of fundamental kindness and compassion that hopefully we bring to work every day. And that to remember that, you know, Everybody is suffering in some way right now. It's hard for everyone. And so if we go into our interactions with our colleagues um, open and expecting that there's some challenge there and we go in thinking, what can I do to help lessen the load on you? What can I do to ease the burden? How can we partner on things? And go in oriented to identify the problems and solve them rather than investing in anger and frustration about the situation, or even about a singular focus on how we get our own needs met. Because aside from what has become, you know, the clear theme of the season that we're all in it together, when we go to our colleagues with a certain generosity of spirit and a patience, and we extend to them the message that we're here to help solve the problem, we're on the same team, it not only will help the team, but it will also help signal to them that you're on their side. This isn't conflict. And it may also help you get some of the help you need and the compassion you need as we go down this road. And I think that's really important, Laura, to talk about our needs, because a lot of times we're afraid to ask for what we, we may need if, if we need help, because we don't want to seem vulnerable or that we're yes. not good at our jobs. And, and so I think one thing we need to do is, is start doing that. And a second thing that, that, others can do to help is ask people when you start a meeting or if you haven't, you know, talk to your direct reports about what's going on in their lives lately. A lot of people did this initially back in March and April, but I think a lot of that has trailed off. So it might be a really good time to say, hey, how are you dealing with this? What's new? What's going on? Where, you know, where are things with you? Because things change and, and this has been wearing on us now for six months. And that's that's a long time to go in a very unique and ambiguous situation like this. So, so Laura, as we're as we're winding down, I, I know that we briefly mentioned this before, but I think from a career management perspective, some of the challenges that women are facing right now have the potential to have 
long-term detrimental effects on their careers if, if we don't find some solutions. So can you talk through a little bit what, what those are and maybe some things that women can be doing now to mitigate that? Yeah. So one of the first things is um, whatever you can do, don't step out of your career. It's a very hard time to go back to work. And so whatever you can do to hang in there, super important. Some tools in that regard, like we discussed before, you want to make sure that you're talking to your team, your employer about what you need in order to be successful. Two, on the flip side of that is you want to remember that while you are home and you are in this unguarded situation, that wherever you can carve out a space for yourself so that you are presenting professionally, you are, um, you know, basic things still looks like brush your hair, pull it together, get on camera in a way that sends the message that I'm working, I'm ready for work, and I'm in a work headspace. I know it is unbelievably hard when chaos is reigning around you, but it's where little efforts in that regard can send the subtle signal that I'm present. And it'll help when you're dealing with less than compassionate colleagues. The other thing is to think about what you can put in your work background so that you're signaling to them that this is your professional identity. And even though that may mean hiding other parts of your identity, a complex thing that we're going to be talking about on next week's show, there are little places where you can feel like you're gaining control over your environment. And then the other thing that you can do is it's really important to work with your partners. Um, one of the things we've learned over time is that women, um, we don't always know when to parse asking for what we need versus what we want. Um, this is a moment where we've really got to drill down at home into what do we need, where do we need to make trade-offs so that we can take care of the things that matter most to us. Yeah, well said. I, <laughs> there's nothing I can add to that because it was, it was exactly the action steps people need to hear at this time. So Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Dr. Dawn on Careers and sharing your wisdom and knowledge on this topic. I know we have a lot of work to do to move forward, but I think the key themes I took away from this are we, need, we all need to be compassionate. We all need to ask others how we can help, and we all need to understand that that even though it's a tough battle for, for just about everyone these days, we're all fighting that battle very, very differently and with different resources. And we all need to be aware of that. So Laura, where can people learn more about your awesome radio show and you and, and the topics in general? Okay, so follow me on Twitter, at Laura Zarrow. You can also check us out. Our podcast is available on um, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to write in and let me know if you're not a Twitter user. So otherwise, tune in Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Laura. Of course, Dana and Dion and all of our listeners. And uh, if you want to learn more about what's coming up, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham, and we will see you next time. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.